The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. Yay! This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. The remedy for boredom has arrived. This is the People's Podcast. Let's go for a ride. Well, he's got gold chains and hair like a dream. He's definitely the coolest on the whole team. There's just one question. Where is he from? Chris Jericho invented Mr. T's mom. Yeah, did you see the WWE Hall of Fame? If there's one thing we've learned, it's Mr. T loves his mother and Chris Jericho invented Mr. T's mom. That's right. I came up with that little ditty in lieu of the cowbell just for you. Do you like it? Huh? Do you like it? What a weekend we had this weekend if you're a wrestling fan. And today we're going to discuss all of that. Plus, we got Rey Mysterio back on the show today to finish our conversation. We spoke about so much last week, and we didn't even touch his WCW days or how he finally made the jump to WWE, what the reactions were when he got into the WWE locker room. It's it's, it's always been known as a, as a big man's company. He was also very close to Eddie Guerrero. We'll talk about his classic matches with, with Eddie and, and, and the relationship they had. And of course, we'll discuss his future. Ray's suffered a few injuries. How long does he plan to keep it going? We'll get into all that coming up. Plus, we're going to take your calls to discuss all things WrestleMania, Hall of Fame, the Raw after WrestleMania, Undertaker lost, the streak is over. There's a changing of the guards, Cesaro, The Shield, Daniel Bryan, so many names coming up from NXT. We're just bursting, bursting with WWE news. It's a definitely a wrestling-themed show today. So, we're going to be taking your calls. If you check Talk is Jericho on the Twitter, at Talk is Jericho on the Twitter, at Talk is Jericho on the Twitter, we will post the number, and if you get a chance, call in and let's talk WrestleMania. Nothing is off limits today. But, before we get going... I gotta have a little heart to heart with you guys, and this is very serious. I know you hear me thank my sponsors all the time on this show and read out the uh, ad copy, but what you don't realize is that this costs money to get Talk is Jericho done for you twice a week. We have studio costs and the technology related costs you don't have to pay for the bandwidth, the distribution site, all the little expenses that come with it. This is where the sponsors come in. They enable me to take care of those expenses so that you get this podcast for free. But something else you might not know. I actually choose every sponsor on Talk is Jericho. I actually use every sponsor on Talk is Jericho. We mentioned earlier the Dollar Shave Club. I use their razors, stamps.com, uh, GoToMeeting, LegalZoom, DDP Yoga, DraftKings.com. All those things I actually use because, A, the things that we actually need. B, I think you'll have some fun with it. And see, uh, I believe in the in these companies as people. They're good people, and that's important as well. They're products and services that I believe in use. And so what I'm asking of you is to please check out my sponsors. Explore their sites and their services and their products. I'm not even asking you to buy anything. I'm asking you just please check check it out and decide for yourselves. I guarantee that if I'm talking about it, it's because I use it and I believe in it, and I think the products are great. And trust me, I wouldn't steer you wrong. You guys have been with me for over 23 years 
You know when, when Chris Jericho says something that I mean what I say. And listen, if you do buy something or use a product that sponsors my show, let me know. Send me a tweet at Talk is Jericho or send me a tweet at I am Jericho. I'd love to hear what you think. And so do my sponsors want to hear what you think. And maybe even I'll get you on the show to talk about it. It's something new I'm going to do here. If you tweet that you've used one of my sponsors or have checked out one of my sponsors at Talk is Jericho or at I am Jericho, I will possibly have you on the show to discuss it, okay? That's the new deal I'm going to make with you. So please support this show by supporting my sponsors. I love doing it for you. I want to keep doing it for you twice a week, and you know you're enjoying it. I mean, only here on Talk is Jericho, and there's hundreds of podcasts for you to listen to. Only here can you hear Egypt. Can you hear Gordy Canuck? Can you hear Oates' Mustache? Pinch a Ghost? All of the great life-changing comedy that you hear right here on Talk is Jericho. You're getting it free twice a week. So let's talk about WrestleMania for a couple seconds here. Uh, Let's talk about how Egypt, by the way, the high school janitor who interrupted the finish of Pummelmania 2 and kind of destroyed the whole uh, concept of the BTWF back in those days. He was on the show last week on part one of Rey Mysterio, and we discussed our WrestleMania predictions. Well, I actually won. I predicted four out of eight possible winners, and Egypt only uh, predicted two out of four possible winners. But the thing is, Egypt predicted that Brock Lesnar would beat The Undertaker for the streak, and nobody saw that coming. I mean... What an amazing moment. I mean, the match was was okay, so-so at best, but then we find out afterwards that Undertaker had a, a, a horrible bad concussion and was actually knocked out and didn't remember where he was, didn't remember what city he was in, didn't remember he was in a match. And this, this, is, this is a warrior. I mean, like I said a couple of weeks ago, I saw this guy get burned uh, in the middle of the Elimination Chamber match right beforehand when he got burned by his own pyro back in 2010, and continued the match and worked with me afterwards for about 15 minutes. So I saw this guy and how tough he is. So if any of you guys are bagging on the Undertaker-Brock Lesnar match, remember, Taker was out, and he still finished the match. And you could tell he had no spring in his step. Uh, the German suplexes that Brock were giving him, uh, he, was barely, he was barely going up for. So there was a lot of issues going on. Now, as far as the concept of, of Brock Lesnar breaking the streak, I know a lot of people are very angry. A lot of people are furious. But let me tell you something, brother. I remember back in 1988 when Hulk Hogan lost the world championship to Andre the Giant with the famous evil twin referee set up. You guys remember that? It was, it was Earl Hebner and Dave Hebner where we found out that he had a twin. And I was devastated that Hulk had lost the title. It had been four years, and it's just the way things were. Hulk would never lose because he's the champion. How could Hulk Hogan lose? Well, he lost the title, and it was time to move on to the next phase of the WWE. It's the same with The Undertaker. I don't like it when guys win their retirement matches. I never liked it. I remember back a few years ago when Trish Stratus won in her retirement match and retired as the champion. I don't like that stuff. I mean, um, you know, Edge had to retire as the champion, but that's because he couldn't work anymore. He couldn't do anything. I guarantee had he had his way, he wouldn't have won either. It's like when you're... When you're ready to, to, to move on, you got, I'm not even saying pass the torch, but you got to lose. It, it's a Japanese style thing where you're, you're in your last match, you insist on it because that's just the way it should be. And I've seen amazing retirement matches from some of the greatest of all time, especially over in Japan, Tatsumi Fujinami or Antonio Inoki, all these guys, and they lose 
in their final match, as they should, because that's how the business is built. And if this really is towards the end of The Undertaker's career, who better to break the, the streak than Brock Lesnar? Legitimate tough guy. Actual credentials of being a badass. UFC champion. Uh, NCAA amateur wrestling champion. I mean, this guy's got all the goods. So another thing to think of, too, is, is Vince McMahon, the WWE, is paying Rhett Lesnar a lot of money. And to me, it seems that he was kind of losing his steam, you know, and had he not beaten The Undertaker, he might have been finished as a legitimate draw. He would be an attraction, but as a legitimate money-making character, he had to, he had to beat The Undertaker. So I was shocked. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't one of those people that was predicting, oh, I knew that I knew he was going to lose. I would have said, there's no way he's going to lose. But when he did, after the shock wore off, I started understanding the reasons for that. And enjoying the reasons for that. Now, it really took the wind out of the sails of the people in the Pontiac Silverdome, as Hulk Hogan would say. Actually, in the New Orleans Superdome was where it really was. But the last match delivered as well. The triple threat between Orton and Batista and Daniel Bryan. They brought the crowd back into it. Amazing finish. Bryan taps out Batista and 70,000 people chanting yes. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that as far as a WrestleMania moment. I thought the Triple H Daniel Bryan match was amazing. Triple H still one of the one of the best workers in the business and one of the best of all time. There's no way you can't say that, no matter what kind of opinion you have you have of him personally or as a as a politician or as the leader of the locker room or running of the company. He definitely is an amazing worker and put Daniel Bryan over like a million dollars, the proverbial million dollars. So I think it was and also the beginning of the show with Hulk Hogan coming out and then Steve Austin coming out and then The Rock coming out. I've often said that the four legitimate faces of the company over the years have been The Rock, Steve Austin, John Cena, and Hulk Hogan. And now you had three of them in the ring at the same time. And that was that was a great moment. Nice surprise for Austin and Rock to come out. Amazing way to kick off WrestleMania 30. So overall, and also too, I love the fact that Cesaro won the Battle Royal. I mean, that was a, I've been a big fan of Cesaro for years. That's funny. I almost call myself the Nostradamus of predicting wrestling talent. I should be a scout for the WWE because I remember back in 2002, I went to Vince McMahon to uh, convince him to let me put John Cena over in his first pay-per-view match when no one really believed in Cena, but I knew that he had something to make him a star. I did the same thing with Bray Wyatt last year. When I went down to NXT, I requested to work with him because I, I knew he was going to be something special. I kept sending his videos to Vince when he was making them, saying, you got to check these out. Uh, Cesaro, I requested to work with Cesaro in Tokyo last year and tell, told Vince that he was he was a great performer as well. So, yeah, I got a, Daniel Bryan had his first match with me in the WWE. His first WWE match uh, when he came back on NXT was with me for the, for the title. So I am the Nostradamus. Of wrestling. I can predict the future. So, Mania, 100% off the charts. I mean, the Hall of Fame was great, too. With uh, I mean, Jake the Snake Roberts' speech was off the chain. Scott Hall's was good. And then, of course, you had the typical rambling ones. Mr. T just rambling about his mom. I'm sure his mom was a nice lady, but... Well, he's got gold chains and hair like a dream. He's definitely the coolest on the whole A-team. There's just one question. Where is he from? Chris Jericho invented Mr. T's mom. (laughs) And then, of course, 
uh, Ultimate Warrior doing a speech that only the Ultimate Warrior can do. It kind of went in 15 different directions all at once. So, But the big thing for me was the Raw after WrestleMania. Always one of the best Raws of the year because of the crowd is always great. The people are always going nuts. It's such an international crowd and a very uh, smart wrestling crowd. So they were going bananas in there. And then it was a real, you want to talk about a real changing of the guard. I mean, look at all the people that they introduced and put over. Uh, you know, you had Paige come out and win the Divas title right off the bat. Bo Dallas is coming in. Adam Rose is coming in. Rusev coming in with Lana. All these people from, from NXT introduced basically all in the same show. Then Cesaro gets put over. Bray Wyatt. RVD comes back. Barrett goes over. Lesnar gets a big promo. Daniel Bryan gets a big push. So the uh, the shield gets a big push. So you can really see a changing of the guard. It's like the Attitude Era guys are being weeded out few and far between. Am I an Attitude guy? Am I am I going to be obsolete pretty soon? <laughs> I don't know. But I, I just I just really uh, love the idea of the distinctive, definitive. Like this is a whole new era for the WWE, and things look great. I mean, the NXT guys are being brought up the proper way. The guys that have been there, kind of stirring around for a bit, are starting to really get their chance. So you can see this is a whole new era for the WWE and a whole new world, uh, and as it should be. I mean, we kind of have, I mean, not that Cena and Orton and Batista and those type of guys are just going to go away and get jobbed out or anything like that. Listen to me, I sound like a smart jobbed out. But the point is you're starting to get some new guys out there with some new steam and really kind of focusing on that, which is what you have to do. That's what wrestling's all about. And I know every generation will go, well, my generation was the best, but it doesn't matter whose generation was the best. All that matters is that you bring new talent in. I remember when I was a kid watching the WWE, I would always love um, when they would show vignettes for the new guys. I'd always be really excited. You would know who they were before they even came in. And that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I always believed in having vignettes, whether it was the original Countdown Clock vignettes or the Save Us vignettes or the end of the world as you know it vignettes. I always kind of love that air of mystery and kind of getting people's attention before you even get on the show. And that's what they're doing with a, with, a, with a lot of those guys. Um, and that's what you have to do. It's kind of the old school style of wrestling. So it's a very good time in the WWE right now if you're a fan. It's a transition phase. But the future looks so bright. you got to wear the proverbial shades. So I want to know. I want to know, people! What did you think of WrestleMania? What did you think of the streak being broken? What did you think of the Raw after WrestleMania? Let's talk about the state of the WWE, and we're going to do all that. Go to at Talk is Jericho on the Twitter. Find the phone number and give me a call, and we'll talk about whatever you want. But before that, we got part two of the amazing Rey Mysterio interview. So much stuff to talk about. Rey didn't really play too big of a role in the Battle Royal. But Ray's a legend at this point, and he's he's another one of the guys that will slowly be phasing down his career as we talk about that, but still always means something, and, and one of the innovators and pioneers of, of high-flying and the best high-flyer I've personally ever seen, and no one has even come close. He will be up very, very soon, but first... Welcome to Talk is Jericho. We got so much to talk about with Rey Mysterio. We couldn't just do it for one week. We got him back here again. We were talking about WCW and, and the time that that we had there. It wasn't it interesting how you know you're talking about. We were talking about last week about Hall and Nash about how cool they were and how, how how good they were. I think one of the reasons why they got a bad reputation is the same reason why almost everybody did back in those days was WCW was just. 
it was a real volatile atmosphere. Did you notice that? Like everybody that was in WCW that then went to WWE afterwards was a lot cooler than they were in WCW? Yeah, I think WCW was like the big bully. Mm. You know, anybody that was uh, uh, that had game and that was making money at the time, yeah, uh, you know, they had, if they wanted to bully you, they, you know, they were, or they were going to step over you, either in front of your face or behind your face. Lucky to say that, that you know, I never had any issues with that, mm-hmm. except for the fact that, you know, I was always held down uh, to a certain extent, but, uh, you know, always was kept in the mix. But uh, you're absolutely right, man. I mean, yeah. you are, Chris. You know, you can see that there was guys like, you know, we were talking about Eddie last week, you, the match you and Eddie had. That Halloween Havoc, Eddie was one of the most over heels in the company. You were one of the most over baby faces. I was one of the most over heels. I remember Kidman was over huge as a baby face. But we could only get so far up the ladder because there was always, you know, the NWO guys or the, the you know, the Hogans and Lugers and Stings and those guys. We never worked with them. I mean, I worked with them a few times, but there was never any real programs. And it just was a little bit frustrating. It was, it was, and it wasn't until you made that first step, and then everybody come along afterwards. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, when I left, you kind of came, came to a dead end, right? Well, yeah, it was it was the whole Goldberg feud for me, where they kind of started this this mock feud that people ended up wanting to see, and they would never go through with it. Like you said, it was just you know Chris Jericho is a cruiserweight. Uh, TV champion at best, and he could never get any higher up the card, and it was frustrating. And that's when I started looking to to go to WWE, even though it was for you know for less money and 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 you know all that sort of thing. But I didn't care at that point. You know, I just I just had to get out of there and, and move move forward. Now, right. were, were you in WCW when they closed, or had you left by then? No, no, no. I I stayed in WCW till the end, man. Um, I remember wanting to leave so bad, right? Uh, but hearing that. That Vince would never take me. Uh, mm. That I was just way too small to be part of uh, WWE. Right. So it just kind of held me back, and and you know I said, okay, I'll just ride along, man. See what happens. Describe to us that last day when when w, WWE bought WCW, and it was the last show. I believe it was in Panama City, that 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 cool nightclub yeah. where they used to put the ring in the middle of the pool. Uh, what was that? What was the atmosphere like on that day? It was shaky. It, it almost felt like a, a 7.0 earthquake had hit oh. Panama City the day of. Yeah, and uh, everybody was still in shock, man. Uh, it was it was crazy. I mean, uh, being being at the time for me that I was I was still riding out the wave and and just uh, just trying to figure out where life was going to send me, man. Uh, wasn't really worried at the time of what was going to happen with my future. I knew I still had Mexico yeah. in the back of my head, you know, and that I could still go back to it. Um, but uh, um, a lot of guys were, were skeptical, man. They didn't know what was going to happen to to their career. You know, because, of course, they, they had mentioned that with the purchase of the company, some talent was going to be bought along with it, and some were going to be left out. And, uh, and nobody you, knew who that was until they spoke to you directly. So w- did they talk to you that day? Was it, is it Shane McMahon showed up or something along those lines? Is, is that the first person that you saw? Did they have a group meeting or something? No, they just, we, we, we carried along like it was a normal day. Uh, of course, we had the meeting and they let us know that the company was being bought out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when everybody just kind of started making plans on their own, you know? Yeah. 
But for me, uh, and I forgot, I believe I got a call from somebody from the office saying that that uh, WWE wasn't going to buy out my contract, that uh, uh, I was one of the wrestlers that was going to be left out for the time being. So I remember being being off since that since the time they bought WCW mm-hmm. until my contract expired, and they were they were paying me week after week after that. You know, oh wow! Not to wrestle. So you were getting paid to to not wrestle. Yeah, exactly. That's not a bad deal. So then, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, it's a good job you can get it right. So then, how did you end up getting into WWE when they, when they when they mentioned to you that you wouldn't be picked up? What kind of finally changed their mind? Because I remember on my end, I don't think I've ever told you this, they were asking, there was a couple of people were asking about stuff, and I think it might have even been Stephanie McMahon. Don't quote me on that, but she was like, yeah, we're going to bring in a couple guys. Uh, she kept mentioning Vampiro, and I was like, listen, if you're going to bring <laughs> Vampiro in, I said, you need to bring in Rey Mysterio. And they're like, well, he's small. I said, it doesn't matter. Trust me. Trust me on this. If you're thinking about bringing Vampiro or Conan and these guys – Fine, bring him in, but you need to bring in Mysterio for sure. And there was, and I remember Benoit was saying the same, and Dean was saying the same, and Eddie was saying the same. Yeah. All the guys, obviously, you know. So how how did you finally get that call? Well, I got the call from Jr. saying that that they were interested in uh, bringing me in, mm-hmm. but they wanted to let my my contract uh, from WCW expire. Right. Uh, until that happened, that we would be able to sit down and negotiate. So uh, uh, that was pretty much uh, maybe a month or so after the company closed down, mm-hmm. and my contract didn't expire until the following year. So, you know, you keep in mind that I was getting paid for about six, seven months. Right. Uh, but again, uh, once that time uh, came around that corner, I was like, man, I wonder if I'm ever going to get that call from WWE. Yeah. You know, just... It just felt like it was eternal and and almost impossible. And sure enough, you know, Jr. Um, called me up. We uh, we met up in L.A. We sat down. We talked business. Next thing you know, uh, I was part of the company, man. And there was a couple changes because when you you had you had lost your mask in WCW and were working without it at that point in time. Uh, and then when you came back to WWE, you had the mask on. Was that Vince saying, "Listen, we want you with the mask, the whole the whole nine yards"? Well, here's the crazy thing: uh, when I was signed, um, they wanted me to go to OVW. Uh huh. Wow. So I was up there for yeah, I was up there for two weeks, man. Uh, just to kind of, and you know what? It's kind of uh, it was a good thing that I went up there, man, because the ring in WWE was right. way different from the one in WCW. Let's talk about that. That's an that's an interesting point, Oscar. In what way was it different? It was just it was bigger, man. It was bigger in uh, in width, mm-hmm. and and the ropes were much taller, and they weren't they were actual ropes. Ropes, yeah. And WCW was cables. Yeah, yeah cables exactly. Even in Mexico, Mexico, every, pretty much every ring that I had wrestled in before was all cables. It was very rare that I'd get a ring that that had real ropes. So, how did that affect your your you know your springboards and all that sort of thing? Well, um, they just they kind of adapted to my uh, in ring work. Mm-hmm. They were tightening up the ropes more and more every time I would wrestle. Oh, they so, would tighten uh, up the ropes make, for you. The, the ring crew would tighten yeah. up the ropes. Okay. Yeah, so they they made it they made it a bit easier for me, but still. Um, Man, uh, the WWE ropes were probably 
chin high to me, mm-hmm. when the other ones were probably chest high. Wow. That's interesting. You would never yeah. think about that. That must have been a little, like you said, you needed that time to, to make that adjustment. And, and you know what else, Chris, is, was uh, really hard for me to adjust? is Every time I, I would get shoot from turnbuckle to turnbuckle, mm-hmm. I would easily take three to four steps more to hit that buckle. So my timing was off at first, man. Oh, wow. Crazy. So those yeah. two, so that time in OVW helped you kind of to, to, to get used to it? Yeah, it helped me adapt to the WWE ring. Yeah, exactly. Another one, too, is, you know, and this is, I'm sure you know the reason for this, but you were always Rey Mysterio Jr., and then when you came to WWE, the junior was dropped. And yeah, that's, exactly. do you know the reason for that? I believe one of their reasons was uh, the fact that I'm carrying the tradition from my uncle, uh, but, you know, he's not part of the company, so we'll just keep you with the Rey Mysterio. Here's another reason. If you notice, Chavo Guerrero Jr., Jr. was dropped. Teddy DiBiase Jr., Jr. was dropped. It's because Vince is yeah. a junior. He's Vince McMahon Jr., and he hates being called Jr. <laughs> really? Yes. So that's that, and that, that, I've never actually been told this for sure, but I've heard, and that's why he doesn't like the name Jr. for anybody. Because <laughs> he's a junior. Make, I got to make sure I ask him next time I see him, man. Ask him. Cause, him boss, why, why, why did you drop my junior, man? <laughs> ask him, yeah, because I know, remember I used to call people junior as an insult? He used to love that. Yeah. Like, what an insult, junior. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think he hates it. <laughs> so once again, here you are. You come into the WWE, and, and now... Obviously, the the whole crew knows who you are, but I always say that Vince McMahon, even he might know, but he doesn't really know anything about anybody until uh, they perform in his ring. Uh, what was? I mean, I'm sure Vince was nothing but nice to you when you first got there. How was it the first couple times you you worked? Did you have to? Was there an adjustment to learn the quote unquote WWE style? Yeah. Oh, oh most definitely. You know, who had a, a big part in my. Learning appearance and, and intro and all that. Dean. Dean had a lot to do with it, man, which really which I am really thankful for that. Um I guess he had he had come up with the idea of the pop up stage. Oh yeah. Yeah, and that, that entrance till the day has been one of the best uh entrances I've had, you know, and in, in it's my amazing. Career. Do you think that might have had something to do with a little bit of wear and tear on your knees because you're getting popped up and then you're landing on the stage, right? Like, how does that work? Does it does it like shoot you up in the air, or do you have to jump with it? You're in a platform, yeah, uh, probably five by three, mm-hmm. maybe, and you have like a little uh, lever that has a, a wire attached to it. Yeah. So when you pull that, you get a countdown. Of course, you're underneath the stage. There's a pyro guy uh, to my right or in front of me. In this case, it was Kusama. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. He would count down, and then I would just pull that little lever, which would uh, uh, trigger the weights to go down and pop me up. Oh, okay. Which was actually pretty cool, man. It was really, really cool. And then, of course, along came the pyro and all that. But uh, timing it perfectly after one or, or two tries. You would get it down, mm-hmm. but it would launch you up maybe a good uh, five, seven feet up in the air. Yeah, I mean it looks it looks amazing. Like you said, what a way to come into the into the company. Man, it was awesome. That whole buildup of me coming into the company for the first time. I mean, I remember sitting back at home watching the the vignettes, videos, the, yeah. the vignettes, and uh, after all the accomplishments. You know, I remember sitting back in my couch and and, and just marking out for myself, <laughs> not 
in a good way saying, wow, this is, this is really cool, man. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. This is it, man. I mean, I, I, obviously, here's the end to where I never thought or never imagined I would make it to. Yeah, I mean that that is that you know the WWE has always been a big man's company. I mean Vince's dad was into to the big man. Obviously Vince is into the big man, and the fact that you got into the WWE, like you said, at all was a huge testament to you. And and like you said, being in the WWE is just a certain. There's something about it like nothing. When you get to to that company, you become a star. Not that you weren't yeah. before, but it's a whole different level. Exactly, it's a whole different level. It's it's. It's big time recognition at this point, man. It's, I mean, it just doesn't get any better than this. Yeah, I mean, and not not just for a guy your size, but also for for your raza. I mean, I'm sure you became the hero to to Latinos worldwide by being in the biggest wrestling company in the world, even more than you ever were. A lot of the guys that that I run into on the streets now, or at stores, etc. These are the guys that, along with me, grew up watching the Tito Santanas. You know, uh, the Ricky the Dragons, the Pedro Moraleses, and for them to see me and for me to be part of this company now, it's yeah. just, it's awesome, man. It's really awesome. Well, and then when you came in, too, you had you had a, an amazing group of guys to work with. I mean, I think there was the, the SmackDown 6 was kind of the nickname for you guys with Chavo and, and Angle and... Eddie and Benoit and, and uh, Edge, and you guys just came in and had some of the best matches, uh, whether it was six men or different different uh, combinations of you guys. That was a great place for you to be in right from the, from the start. Again, I, I you know I got caught up with uh, with a good group of uh, wrestlers that uh, just wanted to go all out every time. We're very creative, you know, and just wanted to put on a good show. Actually, I'm, I'm very blessed to be a part of that of that circle, or was at the time. You know, uh, just guys that wanted to to go all out, and there was no limitation to what you can do. Uh, it was uh, not like in Mexico, uh, just one guy looking out for himself. Mm-hmm. You know, it was everybody putting a match together and make sure that that we stole the night. Yeah, and you and you did. You know, time and time again. Talk is Jericho. Welcome back to Talk is Jericho. Got one of my best buds from the business on the line. Ray Mysterio is here. Ray, um, let's talk about, uh, you know, we were both very close to Eddie, uh, one of our best friends, and uh, such an influence as a person and as a performer. How was it for you the, the, the day that, that he passed away? I mean, how hard was it to, to have to continue performing that, that night and, and, and for, for, for the time afterwards, weeks and months afterwards even? It was really hard, Chris. Uh, I had the blessing to be uh, in the ring with him or to do one of the last programs with him because we, I remember we had just finished WrestleMania 21, I yeah. believe it was, yeah, in, in uh, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I believe that's where we had finished our feud, and I believe he was getting ready to feud with, with Batista at the time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was able to, to soak in everything from his behalf, but but to realize that Saturday afternoon, which was the day that he flew along with uh, from Phoenix to Minneapolis, mm-hmm. was uh, the same day that I was supposed to catch my flight from San Diego to Phoenix, Phoenix, Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. But instead, uh, I stayed behind 
and um, uh, I had some family time. I remember I, I was we were at my mother's house in Tijuana. Being that I was I was my mom that day, Chris. This is this is crazy, man. What I'm about to tell you. Okay. Um, my mom knew that I've always been a big fan for crosses, uh-huh. and I love uh, crosses. So she uh, that day before I left, she goes, "Oh, look what I got you." And she had like a little uh, black little pouch, and she pulled out a cross. She goes, I got you this cross. She goes, it has, it has some saying in the back. She doesn't read English, so yeah. So I read it for her. I said, oh, I said, this cross is for someone to have a better death. Hmm. And I was like, oh, you know, at the time, I was like, ah, cool, you know, a beautiful cross. Yeah. Uh, super pretty big, maybe a uh, finger's length. That's how big the cross was. So I put it back in the pouch. I remember jumping on a red eye that night, Saturday mm-hmm. night, and arriving to Minneapolis like at six in the morning. By the time I got to the arena, which was about seven thirty ish, almost eight, mm-hmm. in a cab. As soon as I pull out of the cab, one of the bus drivers is there, and of course uh, he gave me the news that that Eddie had just passed away, mm-hmm. and I was just just like, no, you got to be kidding me, man! It's this ain't happening. And uh, you know, then everything happened after that. Of course, I wanted to go to the to the hotel, which was a couple blocks down the street, and uh, I did. And uh, were you you weren't there? I remember. No, right? yeah, I was I was off at that time. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, just yeah. I remember seeing seeing Chris there, uh-huh. uh, Dean and Chavito, and at the time, uh, our company doctor, which was uh, Doctor Rios. Yeah, I'm sure everybody was was devastated for sure. You know. Um, because like yeah. like you know, like I said, Eddie was, was such a uh, an integral part of my career, uh, and 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 yours as well. I mean, you guys had so many great matches. You'd mentioned the angle that you guys had that was just uh, so good on a personal level, from a storyline level. Uh, was it hard for you to, to to work the you know the, the the weeks and months afterwards, going back to the same buildings where you used to see Eddie, or did you just kind of have to just move on? It, it was it was really hard. Especially because they wanted me to to carry uh, the whole theme, the whole tradition of Eddie with mm-hmm. me for a while. So it just made it even harder, you know. Uh, especially after every match, it was almost like the the fans were we were combining our pains mm-hmm. together. Yeah, and we were just we would just celebrate every night after a match, you know, with a little tribute to Eddie. I remember. Uh, Going into the locker rooms every every night after he passed, and I would I would do a little setup, man. Like if Eddie was there, I would put an Eddie T-shirt, uh, the wristbands, mm-hmm. and, and that was just Eddie's spot, you know. Yeah. For a good while, you know, and everybody uh, paid tribute and respect to that. Because it was hard too. Because weren't they doing the angle after they're having Orton like kind of use Eddie's name to kind of get? I believe it was to get your feud. Uh, more heat. That must have been kind of weird too. Yeah, yeah and I remember uh, Randy talking to me about that, and he was he was like, "Man, this feels kind of awkward, Ray. I don't I don't know." You know, he was he was kind of skeptical about doing that angle. But again, uh, uh, I guess everything was within the limits. And uh, you know, uh, if uh, anybody that knew Eddie, if there was anything that had to involve wrestling, and it was for the for the best of it. Yeah, uh, he was all out for it. 
Well, yeah, because they were getting pretty heavy. Like, so, you know, Eddie's watching from from the grave or whatever it was they were saying. It was pretty stiff, but you know, Eddie knew obviously knew the business, and and it almost was like in his absence, you became the. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, you kind of continued on in tribute to him and even went on all the way to winning the, the world championship at WrestleMania kind of in his honor. I mean, and, and Oscar, we've talked about this whole this whole show and last week about how, you know, your size and the fact you got into the WWE. But the fact you won the world title that Vince McMahon signed off on that, that that's one of the most incredible things and incredible testaments to your abilities and your connection with 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 the crowds and the and the and the fans tell us about how you, how you were told that you were going to be the champion it came straight from him from the man himself <laughs> <laughs> um you know just the, the rumor was flown around that at Maine i was going to get the opportunity to to uh um work for the title yeah i uh, didn't know who the opponents were at the time but uh um sure enough after i won the rumble that pay-per-view afterwards, mm-hmm. which was, I believe, Hell in a Cell. Yes. Um, I was stripped away from the match, and, and that's kind of when I said, yeah, they're not going to go with it. And, and then, sure enough, man, Vince pulled me in, and, uh, and he told me that they were going to run with me. So I was like, man, I'm, I'm as ready as can be. I couldn't be any, any readier. I said, I'm, I'm good to go. I was really happy and, and thankful for, for the opportunity, man. I mean, again... You know, uh, you mentioned that, that this is a big man sport. And the fact that I had made it this far, you know, with my size, it it has just been uh, incredible. So on top of that, to be able to carry the world title, I mean, it, was, it was just awesome. Yeah, that must have been quite a feeling to win the world title at the biggest show of the year. You know, that that uh, was very impressive. I, m- I remember I was off at that point, and I still I, I called you or texted you or whatever. I was just so proud of you. Yeah, you did. You know, you were kind of like the, the, the flag bearer for all, quote-unquote, little guys in, in wrestling, even though you're, you get, you, you're built like a, like a brick house. But still, you know, it was a real kind of a cool moment, and it's something that all of us would be proud of, you know, from our gang back in the day with, with Eddie and Chris and, and, you know, everybody that, that kind of is not with us anymore. It was a real cool yeah. moment on behalf of, of all of us, you know? It's definitely something that, that at some point in our careers, in our lives, we talked about, you know, and yeah. uh, didn't feel impossible, but maybe it was, but that we uh, worked so damn hard every night mm-hmm. uh, without even realizing that that someday it was going to come to us, man. And to be honest with you, Chris, I you know, uh, um, I I don't know if, if this would have been my my career if if Eddie hadn't been uh, uh, gone. You know, yeah. Were, yeah. Was I ever going to get the title? Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say. But uh, the fact that that I did get it, if I could trade everything to have Eddie back, man, I, I definitely I would. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get you, man. I hear you. And, and, and once again, you know, the, the show must go on and things happen. And, you know, you were the guy they chose and it was worth it. You know, it was you were you were definitely worthy of the spot. And I always took great pride in the fact that, you know, and nothing against anybody in WCW or the boss or whatever. But when we were in WCW, we were a, a certain size at a certain level. And here, you know, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, Rey Mysterio and Chris Jericho all go to the WWE and become world champions. That That, to me... I always took great pride in that fact. You know, we knew we were right when we were in WCW and everyone was talking whatever they were talking. We knew that we were better than that. We proved it. Right. 
that you're you know, damn true, man. Yeah. That is crazy. That's crazy. That's one of the reasons why I, I wanted to work with you back in 2009. I pitched the whole feud to Vince. I, don't, I think I probably told you this, but I just finished writing a, a, a book, my third book, and our angle is a big part of it. And just going back and remembering all the little details and watching the matches, I mean, I, I knew you and I could tear it up. And we had worked a little bit, but we'd never really worked a program. And yeah, that was one of my favorite programs I've ever worked in my entire career. I think, uh, and, and you know what, Chris, uh, at that point in our careers, man, we had pretty much, like you said, we had, we had a similarity of, of, uh, of careers growing up. Yeah. At that point, we, we had been through it all, man. There was no reason why we couldn't go out there and tear up the mats, man. And, and that's what we did. And I, I had a, I had a great time. And you're right. That was actually the first time that we were able to work yeah. the program together. Yeah, and I, I, I knew that because we had a lot of tricks. Like at that point in time, especially with Eddie gone and, and Chavo was gone, and all those, you know, Chris was gone, and Dean wasn't working anymore. The little tricks of what we had learned over the years, like just messing with the mask. I remember, you know, like go to pull your mask off for a split second, or you, you know, throw you against the turnbuckle, and, and you have it in your mouth, and it would fall off, and you'd pull it back on. We based it around your mask. And when I went to Vince to pitch it to him, he wasn't too into it. He's like, oh, it's the mask, and what does it matter? But the thing that I got him with was that, he goes, why would you want his mask? And I said, because I'm a bully, and I take it because I want it, just like I'm taking his milk money. And when I said that, he was like, yeah. all right, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Great pitch, huh? Yeah. It was really fun to do all the different reversals, and, and, and it went on for four or five months. But do you remember when we pitched the finish where you would do the 619 and I pulled your mask off? Yes, and, and I remember saying, of course we can do it. We can pull it off. Yes, and they, the, the, the powers that be didn't think we could. And, and I remember we pitched the finish to Ricky Steamboat, and he yeah. uh, was like, well, I don't know about that, and I'm not sure, and, and it's not what they want. I'm like, they don't know what they want. You know, We know what this finish is. So yeah. Ricky went and pitched it and came back and said that, you know, Vince says you can't do it. And I was talking to him, and I was like, you know, Oscar, we know we can do this. And we we went into the ring and we practiced it, remember? <laughs> you're right, you're right. Yep. We practiced it. So what I the- remember, remember I had to get uh, another mask underneath? Yes. Because I believe we did it, we did it twice, back to back. Yes. One, we pulled it off, and then when you were going to do it the second time, I had a mask underneath. Remember? Yes, and also remember, remember like the, the first time you had to get a you had a special mask that had like almost like mesh on the back of it. There was a lot of open holes that I could put my fingers in to pull it off. Yes. So I remember uh-huh. I asked I asked the week before, do you have a, like can we do this? And you're like, yeah, of course we can do it. I even have the right mask for it. So you yeah. you brought yeah. it that week, and I went to see Vince after Steamboat said you can't do it, and I went to Vince and I said. Vince, are you saying we can't do it like you don't want us to do it? Are you saying we can't do it because it's not physically possible? And he said it's not physically possible. You won't be able to do it. And I'm like, come with me right now. And he's like, well, I got stuff. And I'm like, no, come with me right now. So he came in the ring, and I was like, Oscar, come here. Come over here. And <laughs> you came around with the 619, and as you swung your legs around, I plucked your, your, your mask off. And moved out of the way. It came up. Yeah. And Vince was looking at us. He's like, do that again. And I was like, it's, it's, 
I said, it wasn't sleight of hand, Vince. It wasn't like David Copperfield stuff. We, he goes, do it again. And we did it again perfectly. And he was like, that's your finish right there. Grand slam, done. And he walked yeah. away. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. That's, that's good. That's good memory. That was in 2009? Yeah, 2009, man. Five, five wow. years ago, believe it or not. And we worked for wow. probably two or three months. And every match we had seemed to get better than, than the last. You know, it was yeah. real good chemistry. Yeah, you're right. You know, so it was it was always uh, it was always a blast to, to get in there with you and, and muck it out and work it out. So, oh, and, and this, so you you just had the, the 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 knee surgery. You're back again. How long do you think you can go, Oscar, and still be Rey Mysterio? Do you feel good enough to go for for a few more years? I think if if I time it correctly and uh, and and I don't go back to the same schedule that we had back when Eddie and Chris and everybody was around, you know, working four or five days a week, which, right. you know, it takes a toll on your body, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can probably go another three years. Uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm 39, Chris. Yeah. So it's, it, it's good to say that you can start slowing down at 42. Nice. And uh, 42 is still a young age. But uh, um, the style that I've, that I've carried with me for almost a quarter of a century is is actually a, a blessing to be able to say that I can still go. Yeah, and, and you've been really smart, too. Like, you really, you still have, like, the greatest hits of Rey Mysterio that you do that wows the crowd. You know, it's not like you're out there just, you know, you couldn't you couldn't get away without doing a Hurricane Runner or doing some kind of a springboard or doing some kind of a dive. But you've really kind of focused and picked the right moves that work best for you and are almost like the most low impact. Did you do? Did you did you do that on purpose and pick this one? And can you? I can do this one, but forget about that one and that one. I think it's it was me uh, subconsciously uh, adapting to uh, the ability of of my new surgical knee, uh, not being able to bend it all the way mm-hmm. where my heel can touch my ass. And not being able to extend it all the way, and this this uh, full extension just happened after the last surgery. But with my limits and all, you know, and even even as, as hard as it sounds, not being able to springboard, which was one of my top moves, mm-hmm. uh, because with with me being able to springboard, I can you know just pretty much do anything I I wanted to off of that. Uh, limiting myself off of that, and now having to climb to the turnbuckles and doing everything. That makes me feel kind of slow. But on top of that, man, um, like you said, uh, I've been able to adapt and, and just do moves with uh, my ability of, of uh, working around my hurt knee. So, so you, there's no more springboarding because you, you can't bend your knees, right? I can't bend my knee uh, enough to, to be able to squat and gotcha. uh, get on top of the, the top rope. Gotcha. I was laughing. I used to talk about your knee braces that you wear under those long pants. It's almost like diving into a shallow lake where the big rocks are underneath it. It's like you think it's a nice dive and the water's going to be cool and you hit that rock. That's what it's like with those pants of yours and those braces, man. <laughs> Goddamn. Oh, how many people I, I uh, busted open with that brace? Well, once you know it's there, it's okay. But you just got to remember, yeah. brace is here. Watch out for the brace. <laughs> Oscar, out of, out of all your years, and I know it's, it's hard to whittle it down, tell me about your favorite match or, or, or a couple of your favorite matches that you can remember from your career, if you had to pick one or two. 
God, um, I, I would have to say uh, that Jacob with Psychosis, man, my, my very first entry uh, to Japan was definitely one of my all-time favorites. Mm-hmm. I do remember very vividly the, the match I had with Kurt Angle here, my, my very first SummerSlam pay-per-view, which was in uh, Nassau Coliseum. That was one of my favorites, too. Yeah, he was a great performer, too, right? Man, he was awesome. He was awesome, man. Uh, never really had a chance to uh, hang out with him, but but just work wise, uh, it was just incredible, man. Uh, uh, for somebody that as big as he is, and just the way he moved, and he just flowed uh, so perfect in the ring, man. He was a natural for sure, for sure. Who do you see in the WWE now that you think is going to be? Uh one of the, the the kind of the keystones for the future in the company. I mean, you've been there for a long time, over 10 years, and there's been a lot of guys coming, a lot of guys going. We're kind of in a transition period in the WWE right now. Who's impressing you from some of the newer guys that you're seeing? God, it's, uh, I see a lot of the guys now, like right now, from the time I came back, which has been November, mm-hmm. up until now, so the last three months. See, we, we grew up different, Chris. Uh, we grew up uh, without having... Uh, a character behind us. Right. So it was more based on wrestling yes. and not character. And what I see right now, uh, a lot of character and haven't been able to see a lot of work. So, But I've been in the ring, man, with uh, with the Shield. Actually, uh, um, Seth Rollins yeah. is probably one of the guys to look out for, man. He's, he's, uh, he's bad. And I was able to check him out on this last pay-per-view that, that they had against the Wyatt family. Yes. Uh, which was uh, the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Right. Man, they, they, he was able to uh, express a bit of his emotion in the ring as a singles competitor. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually came up to him and I was like, man, you're looking good out there. So uh, <laughs> I think he's one of the guys to, to look out for. You know, I, I really would love to see, and, and he hasn't gotten the opportunity yet, is uh, a Tyson. Tyson, Tyson Kidd, yeah, T.J. Wilson, yeah, he is a very, very probably the most underrated worker in in, in the company right now. I'm I'm really looking forward for him to to getting the opportunity uh, to be able to to see him work and and hey, if I if I have the opportunity to be in the ring with him too, man, to uh, do some some tag team work as well. Mm-hmm. What did you think about uh, Sin Cara coming in? Yeah, I thought uh, the whole Sin Cara thing just didn't it didn't work for me. And I, I think one of the reasons there's a couple reasons for me. One of the reasons is they never put him with with the right guys. I mean, if they would have put him in there with me or you, uh, but the other one is he he never he did not know how to speak English, and that is something you cannot right. do when you come to to another company and another country. And right. you know he he was a huge star in Mexico with with a real free form style, but he didn't have the option or the, the luxury that you and I did to go to ECW and go to WCW and learn kind of how to tone it down. He came in right away and got told, you can't do this, this, and this, and plus he couldn't speak English, and I think it just, that was the end of it for him, you know? Yeah. I mean, what yeah, do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. It was definitely a, a barrier for him. I think, I think, first off, you know, especially at this point in life, if, if you're coming to another country, you got to make sure you yes. at least can understand or speak a bit of the language, you know. Uh, Absolutely. In order to get yourself around, and, and especially if it has to do with your work and you have to communicate, 
with uh, with other workers, then then you got to make sure you speak it. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. And I and I I know. I when I went to Mexico, I learned how to speak Spanish. Man, it's the way it was. You know, if I, and if I yeah, didn't, I wouldn't yeah. have gotten along. And and I just the, the the longer he was there, and the less he didn't learn how to speak English, the less respect I had for him. You know, not not in a, I don't wish him ill will, but I was like, dude, you are you are throwing it away. You're not going to get yeah. it. You know, you're not yeah, going to get it. Human being, yeah, you're right. You're right. He was he was losing he was losing his opportunity to to uh, possibly uh, you know uh, become a, a real yeah. big superstar. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think one of the reasons they brought him in was to be kind of a another Rey Mysterio, but there'll never be another Rey Mysterio. You can't replace the type of talent or the type of character that you are, Oscar. And I, I appreciate having you on this show. It's been great to get a chance to sit down and talk to you uh, after all these years, man. And it just, it's just, it, you're one of my favorite people I've ever met in this business, and, and I'm really proud of everything you've ever accomplished, man. Thank you, Chris. And likewise, man, you know, I'm really good reminiscing, man, about about everything in life, man. Yeah. It, it was really good. Uh, and again, with me, it was it was always a pleasure being in the ring with you, man, and, and being able to to just demonstrate our skills to the world. Yeah, man, absolutely, and I appreciate it, dude. I love you, bro, and and hopefully I'll get a chance to see you soon. Thank you, Chris. I love you too, man, and and hopefully we can catch up soon. Uh, not over the phone, but uh, um, you know, uh, in real life, man, face to face. We 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 and Wero. I'm Wero, and you're we <laughs> Talk to you soon, Roscoe. Thanks, man. All right, man. Take care. I know that buying a car can be a hassle, and dealing with car salesmen and dealers is never easy. But believe me when I tell you, there's a better way. People! A buddy of mine told me about a new way to buy a car. It's called TrueCar.com. Yes, at TrueCar.com, you can actually see what others paid for the car you're looking for in your area so you know when you're getting a great price. At TrueCar.com, you get a savings certificate, and you just take your savings certificate to a TrueCar certified dealer so you don't need to worry about the hassle and anxiety of the old way to buy a car. And true car users save an average of $3,000 off MSRP. Three grand. It's a lot of scratch. And check this out. True car certified dealers have sold over 1 million cars to true car users. Over 40,000 last month alone. The numbers don't lie. So, seriously, if you're ready to buy a car, why wouldn't you go to truecar.com, huh? It's the negotiation-free, guaranteed savings way to buy a car. Save time, save money, and never, ever overpay again. Visit TrueCar.com today. All right, it's time to go to the phones. We've got a lot to talk about. we got some time, too. WrestleMania was this past weekend, and what a show it was. Some great matches, some shocking matches, kind of a changing of the guard. What are your thoughts? I put the number up on the Twitter, at I am Jericho. I switched it up today. But you should also check at Talk is Jericho. If you're following me at I am Jericho, then you should follow me at Talk is Jericho, too. It's only fair. All right, let's go to RJ in Connecticut. You're kicking off the discussion today, RJ. How you doing? Uh, not too bad, Chris. How about yourself? I am doing great, man. Did you watch WrestleMania? Oh, I did, and boy, was I shocked. <laughs> shocked. And let me ask you this. Did you watch it on pay-per-view, or did you buy the network? Uh, I bought the network, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. It, it, it's 
it's so worth it. I don't know how anyone wouldn't at this point, to be honest with you. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So you were shocked. What were you shocked about? Well, well, definitely the streak ending was a shocker, but uh, that's not really what I wanted to talk to you about today. Okay, what's up? Uh, I wanted to know your thoughts on if you think this Daniel Bryan thing is actually going to keep going. I know the fan dangling was a fad, and you know people come and go in the business all the time. I was just curious what your thoughts on the longevity of Daniel Bryan is going to be. Well, I mean, the first thing of all is, I mean, Daniel Bryan, he, he's, a, he's a great performer. He's a, he's a great wrestler. Uh, and he, he came up organically in that people got behind him, I think, for the last couple of years, ever since he lost WrestleMania 28 in 18 seconds. And that's kind of when the whole backlash started against people who were opposing Daniel Bryan. Now, having said that, it's very easy to chant yes. It's fun to chant yes. And I learned a long time ago, just because people are chanting your name doesn't mean you're over. So right. let's let's see. I mean, the one thing that WWE has not done, I mean, let's be honest, they fought the Daniel Bryan movement the whole time. Oh, of course. But now they're, I don't know if it's giving in, but now they're saying, look, we appreciate it. We will give the people what they want. But let's see how it how it transfers to buy rates, how it transfers to ratings. Is this just a fun thing because we like to say yes, and it's an easy thing to do, and anybody can do it, anybody can say it? Or is this a legitimate money-making character? Now we'll find out. But the, yeah. thing, the thing more importantly than ever, and I've sniffed this out about six months ago, is you're talking about the face of the company, which was always, I mean, the four of them was The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, John Cena. They're not looking for someone to replace John Cena because they don't have to anymore. You don't need a face of the company anymore. You just need the WWE name. And that's the and that's the product uh, that they're selling because they have the network, which if you buy it for nine ninety nine a month, it doesn't matter what the, what really what the pay per view main events are. You're going to be watching it anyways. You've already bought it. That's true. You know, right. so I think they'll give Daniel Bryan a try. But now, what constitutes a draw in this day and age? It doesn't really matter. They still have two shows a week. They can mm-hmm. put Cena on one show. They can put Daniel Bryan on the other. As far as the live events goes. And just go from there. But the, the the point of you know who's leading the company, it doesn't matter. Now they're going more back to having you know six or twelve strong names, and and the company name is what carries it the most. So, and I honestly, at this point, I prefer that. I mean, yeah. I, I'm you know you can only see so much John Cena, you know, every segment, the same old guys. I'm not. I'm not as big a Daniel Bryan fan as everybody else, but it's just good to see the fresh face in there. It's very good to see the fresh face, and the people demanded it, and now it's time to see how it transfers. But I don't think it's just a fad. I think chanting yes might be a little bit of a fad, but I think the the organic way that Daniel Bryan uh, rose up from the ground and and kind of beat the man by his merits and by his own talent uh, is something that will stick for a long time. Let's move on over to Shams in Dallas, Texas. What's going on down hey. in Texas, man? How you doing? Uh, nothing much, actually. Uh, I skipped out of work so I could work from home in the afternoon. Smart. Uh, yeah, and I saw, uh, I, I follow you at Talk is Jericho and on I Am Jericho, and I saw the number and just, like, I had to immediately grab. Uh, nice. Thank you. I've had the pleasure of meeting you twice, by the way. Once a good record in Dallas, and then uh, when you came to Autorama uh, about a month or two oh, ago. Oh, cool. Was I a nice yeah. guy? Uh, yes, you were. Both times. <laughs> nice to hear. Nice to hear. What, what's your what's, what's your comment about WrestleMania? Okay, um, I gotta tell you, um, I, I love wrestling. I'm 29. I've been watching for at least like 25 years. Uh, you know, going back to watching with my grandfather. You know, when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I gotta tell you, I'm not one of those uh, 
I guess, smart marks, people who crap all over wrestling. If it's, oh, my God, it's the WWE, it's not Japan, and it's not the Indies, so it's, you know, it has to be terrible. Um, I can tell you, honestly, I, I came into WrestleMania thinking that it wasn't going to be that great. Yeah, on pa- on paper, and the buildup was kind of a uh, was was not so so, but it was okay. So yeah. So uh, when you watched the show, what did you think? I was I think honestly, this year's WrestleMania was probably one of the best I've seen in the last ten years. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, because I was gonna say like, especially like I had a lot of critiques about it. Uh, again, like I said, I love the WWE. I, I legitimately do. But like uh, like the Taker Lesnar buildup, like I said, I like you like you said on paper was really poor in my opinion. Uh, and I think part of the shock came from Lesnar beating The Undertaker was the fact that until last Monday, The Undertaker had gotten the upper hand on Lesnar the entire time and hadn't really built, uh, kind of like uh, using the Daniel Bryan thing for, as an example, you, you didn't, they didn't make Lesnar a quote-unquote credible threat to beating the streak. Yeah. Like CM Punk and you know, uh, Shawn Michaels and Triple H were, you know, in years past. So I think that's part of the reason why, uh, well, I mean, well, I mean, I'm not saying that beating the streak wasn't a shock in, it, in and of itself, but that's what made it more shocking. Well, I mean, I, I think, like I said, I mean, I think people were so conditioned that the fact that uh, Undertaker would just win <clears throat> no matter what, and it just kind of was was a uh, average, you know, just an average thing, like like a guaranteed thing. So it made it not as exciting, the match. I think no one expected him to lose. And when he finally lost, people were legitimately shocked. But meanwhile, that's the best finish that could have been. I think it was a great idea to have Taker lose. I was shocked as well. I never would have called it in a million years. Never would have guessed it in a million years. But in retrospect, it was the best way to do it. It was the right guy to have beat Taker. The fact that it was Brock Lesnar who has legitimate credibility. He's a beast. And obviously they have big plans for him. And like I said earlier in the show, I never like it when guys retire with with a win, and if Undertaker is getting ready to leave, uh, or maybe he only wants to work once in a while now without the pressure of that streak, but it was time to 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 have somebody beat him. I'm not even talking about passing the torch. What should have been a young guy? No, it shouldn't have. It's the same way as when Edge went down when we were tag team champions. I chose Big Show to be my success uh, to be his successor, and they're like, well, it could be a new guy that give a, make an instant star off. It's like no, when you have a certain level of of notoriety. You can only bring somebody up so far without it being kind of uh, hokey. Uh, hokey, exactly, yeah. w- without it being unbelievable. So I think that Brock is the best guy to do it, and I think it was a great move for the company. I think it was a great move, obviously, uh, on, for Brock Lesnar and also for Undertaker. A lot of respect to him, and the fact he was knocked out during the match and continued going forward was something very, very uh, impressive. But once again, like I said, he's the guy that was burned and still wrestled a whole elimination chamber match with me after being basically caught on fire by his own pyro. So Undertaker is the man. Much respect to him, and I'm really actually uh, think it's a great move that he that he uh, beat beat Brock, uh, Brock Lesnar beat him for the streak. Let's go over to Tony in DC. How you doing, Tony? Hey, hey it's great to talk to you. Big fan. Hey, man, appreciate that. What, what, what did you think of WrestleMania? What are your comments? Um, overall, I thought it was a really good one. The highlight of the weekend was Ultimate Warrior's speech, but, um, I, I really found Cesaro winning, uh, the Battle Royale to be a very interesting choice. Why do you say interesting? Um, he's, uh, his charisma and his mic abilities are getting pretty good, but he's been in this weird race card thing for 
God knows how long now with the real Americans. And it's nice to see him recognized for actual wrestling abilities with that gimmick just off the table. Because I've never really liked him so much, but I've grown to have respect for his abilities in the ring. And it's nice to see him get recognized for that without swagger and without Zeb and just like actually as a wrestler instead of so much of a character. Well, I mean, like I said early in the show, I, I, I predicted from the start that he that he was going to be something. I asked to work with him in Tokyo last year specifically because we were doing a Japanese tour, and I was like, I want to work with Cesaro because I know we could tear the house down. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, I went back and reported to, to Vince and Triple H that he was, you know, he was the man. And, you know, it took a while. I mean, Vince saw him as kind of boring at the start, of having no personality, which is why he had him yodeling on the way to the ring, which is why he... Yeah. Uh, he put him with Coulter in the first place. You know, at least getting the you know the race heat is better than no heat. But I knew much like Daniel Bryan, much like you know, much like myself, much like Eddie Guerrero. When you first come into the company, it takes a while to kind of figure out your your character, to figure out your place. And once you do, you, once you get that confidence, you start blowing people away. And Cesaro, I think, was a great choice from that for for for, for that winner of the battle royal. And once again. Um, kind of changing the changing of the guard. You saw that at WrestleMania. You saw that in the Raw afterwards, and it's a whole new landscape for the WWE at this point in time. So it's yeah. really, uh, it was really special to to see that uh, Cesaro won because I think he deserves it, and definitely he's got a huge future for upcoming. And you know, like I said, I'm the Nostradamus of, of wrestling talent, and I knew it from the start. All right, let's do one more. Uh, we'll go to Brandon in Detroit. What do you think, Brandon? Thanks. Chris, I'm a big fan of your show, Socrates Jericho. Thank you. I want to talk about the streak, and I know it's a big shocking that Brock Lesnar won, so I want to hear your thoughts about the streak. Well, like I said, I think Brock was the right guy to beat the streak, and I was shocked as well. I never would have called it, never would have expected it, but I'm, I'm actually glad that it happened. I think it was the right move. I think that if Taker would have retired at 22-0 and or 23-0, and it would have been a big... Um, loss of a chance for somebody to to get those bragging rights and be able to run with it, and I think Brock is the, is the right guy for it as far as credentials, as far as believability, and also to heat him up because you know WWE is paying Brock a lot of money, and nobody uh, nobody expected Brock to win. And a couple of years ago, that wouldn't have been the case. So he needed a shot in the arm if they were going to use him to to draw money in the future, and he got that shot in the arm on Sunday. What did you think? I think it was, it was a great call for Brock Lesnar to get the win. I also thought that either Brock, Triple H, or you would be the one to end the Undertaker streak. And I know you heard this. There was a lot of controversy about how he changed the script, and they said that he was no, there, fired on the spot. No, there was no change of the script. That was that was the that was the finish the whole way, shape or through. There was no changing of the script. Undertaker got knocked out for real. He went to the hospital for real afterwards, but that was the plan the whole time. There was no uh, changing of the script on the fly. That is a yeah. that is an internet rumor. Yeah, because I I thought that too. Because I either uh, well yesterday I put it on Facebook that said either Undertaker can finish or that that he wanted that dramatic moment for the fans to sink in. Yeah, no, that was all uh, all uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think also too. The the bottom line was that Undertaker was legitimately knocked silly. He was legitimately on uh, on Dream Street, 
And that's why it took him a while to get up. He did not know where he was. He didn't know he was in New Orleans. He didn't know he was at WrestleMania. He really got his bell rung bad. But once again, he finished the match anyways, and it went exactly the way that they had planned it. All right, let's head over to Reggie in Oregon. How you doing, Reg? Hello. Hello, Chris. How you doing? Good. I got the Canadian pronunciation. I always say Oregon. It's Oregon, right? Um, you know what? Actually, I'm from Chicago. I'm from Chicago, so I really don't know the correct pronunciation, but I say, I say Oregon. Okay, so you, you and me are together, Oregon. What, uh, what's your thoughts, man? You know what, man? Honestly, at first, um, at first I was kind of shocked by it, but in thinking about it, I mean, it's WrestleMania 30. It's a milestone. And it's it, especially when it comes to the WWE, WWE and booking and Vince McMahon, everybody knows that if you're if you're a big wrestling fan, that um, Vince likes to do something big. And the Undertaker is a locker room general, uh, from what from what I understand. I only have the outside perspective. That's what I've heard. In that um, he wouldn't agree to do something if it wasn't best for the company, and if it was something that people would, would remember. And the fact that it was so was so unexpected is the reason why I think that it affected so many people. You know, that, that's my thoughts on it. Well, I, I agree with you on that. Like I, I mentioned earlier in the show, when I was uh, 17 years old and Hulk Hogan lost the title to Andre the Giant due to the evil referee twin, I couldn't believe it because Hogan had been the champion for four years, and I just couldn't envision a world without Hulk Hogan as the champion. And I think that's uh, kind of the same vibe. It's something I never would have predicted. I never wanted it to happen. But once it happens, you realize it was a pretty cool moment. So I think that Taker losing uh, and the streak uh, ending was something that was destined to happen, and it should have happened. And I think the fact that Brock got it, you know, like I said, he, he he's a beast, and it's very believable that he has it. So if anybody was going to take it, I know some people are saying well, it should be Roman Reigns or it should be this guy or that guy. Brock is the guy to me that's the most believable and the guy that you can do the most with it uh, from from a business standpoint at this point in time. All right, let's take one more call from Matt in Louisiana. What's my What's going on, Matt? How you doing, man? YTJ, how are you today, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. What's going on? You're gonna have to excuse me if I'm a little hoarse, man. We kind of screamed our lungs out this weekend at WrestleMania weekend, so that's great, man. So you went to the I'm show, still recovering. Did you have a good time? Yeah, we, uh, yeah, we had a blast, man. Good, good. Such a good time. That's cool. What's I going on? Comment. Uh, I know every year we kind of get into this mindset of, man, you know, when are the new stars going to show up and when, when are they going to go with these new guys and new guys? And this year just felt like it was so fresh above all the past, probably the past five WrestleManias. All the new guys that they put, Wyatt looked awesome. His entrance was so good. Cesaro. Brian, all these guys, it just feels like such a fresh new WWE, such a good time to be a fan, man. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think, you know, Romania was really exciting, but I also think the Raw afterwards was great with Paige winning and the, you know, Bo Dallas is coming and Adam Rose and Rusev, and it was kind of a, a, a you know, kind of the, the coming out for Cesaro and Wyatt, uh, obviously Daniel Bryan, The Shield. I mean, there's a, there's a real. Uh, cool vibe happening with with all these you know new faces and fresh faces, and that's what the WWE and wrestling is built on is having new talent, and, and that always what keeps it fresh. And right now, the WWE is like a great football team or a great hockey team. They have amazing rookies that are coming up, great draft choices that they found on their own. They've traded for some good guys. You got guys in the prime of their career, and you got some great veterans as well to help round it all out. So it's a very strong squad, but it's very exciting to see. All of the new, the new, uh, the new kids that are out there. All the new faces. I mean, some of them aren't really kids. A lot of them have been wrestling for ten, fifteen years already. I know Cesaro has, and 
and the Shield guys have, but it's everything kind of coming together all at once, and it's, it's a distinct moment where they're saying this is a whole new guard and a whole new group of people, so whether you like him or whether you don't like him, it's the way that the company is going, and this is the, the wave of the future. So for all the people that have been complaining for years that it's been the same old, same old, the time is, is come. You know, as, as a wise man once said, enough is enough, and it's time for a change. You are so right on that, man. And the change God. is coming. Th- thanks, Matt. I appreciate, I appreciate your call. I'm glad you had a good time in Louisiana. And I thank all of you guys for calling in. And giving me your thoughts, and keep that uh, keep that uh, in mind. You always be watching at I am Jericho or at Talk is Jericho on the Twitter, and maybe you will get a chance to call in next time as well. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks so much for linking to Amazon through the Talk is Jericho page at podcastone.com. Whenever you do your online shopping, I just used it yesterday. I clicked on Talk is Jericho on the Amazon banner. It took me straight to Amazon. I bought a bunch of stuff. Every time you buy something like that, Amazon kicks back a few dollars to the show so I can keep bringing you the pot of thunder twice a week for free. Remember, this is free. All you got to do is sit there and listen. So when you go buy something at Amazon, do it through podcast1.com, the Talk is Jericho page. It's another great way to support our show. When I say our show, that means me and you. This is our show. You don't need to buy anything specifically. It's just if you're going to be shopping on Amazon anyway, link to it through my page, and Amazon will show us a little love. It's helping to pay studio costs, electricity, cleaning staff, uh, for my personal butler, for my personal chef, for my personal cowbell cleaner. You know what I'm saying. Any costs that we have, you are helping me to pay those. It doesn't cost you anything extra to go to Amazon through the Talk is Jericho page. No hidden fees or charges. You still get the same great Amazon prices, the same great Amazon service. You're just helping out the show in the process. You're just a click away. You're just a click away. So go to podcastone.com, click on Talk is Jericho, then click on the Amazon link. And if you find something cool on Amazon that you think I should know about, hit me on the Twitter at Talk is Jericho. Let me know when you go on Amazon and buy something or find something cool. I want to hear it. So thanks for hitting that download button as well. In fact, if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend to check out the show. And tell them to tell a couple of friends, and so on, and so on, and so on, and so on. You could even hit that subscribe button at iTunes so you never miss an episode. Okay? It goes right to your device on time. It's trick to rock around to rock around. That's right on top. It's tricky. Boom, boom. It's tricky. Boom, boom. It makes it to you on time. And that ain't tricky. See you on Friday. I got Megadeth frontman Dave Mustaine. Talk about a heavy metal legend. He will be here to talk all about Megadeth, all about his upcoming gig with the San Diego Symphony, all about Cliff Burton. So much cool stuff to talk about. So come back and hang out with us this Friday. Stay hungry. Stay hard. Stay cool. Stay heavy. Peace, hugs, and love. We'll see you on Friday. Yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcastone.com.